Seth. Option three. Some guy with red hair. Nicknamed the Red Rocket. Joseph. <laughs> I'll say one more thing about Applebee's, unless I think of another. Beagle Blitz. Seth, I'm wondering how you're physically recovering after everything that we saw yesterday in the first Sunday of the 2021 season. Well, um, I mean, I'm feeling good. I guess everyone in the NFC East lost except for the Eagles. Well, I just meant based on the fatigue of watching so much football. Yeah, but then it's like... You score more points in the first game of the season than you did in any game last season. And then it's like, suddenly you took 12 espresso shots. And I guess there's some recovering you have to do from that. But I don't know. Yeah. So you are obviously approaching this with homerism for the Eagles rather than looking at the NFL as a whole. I mean, was it taxing? I was yeah. not aware we were targeting the Philadelphia market this hard. Yeah, I personally am. Okay. I was going to start on that Thursday night game. And yeah, that was a good game for me, too. That also gave me a lot of energy. <laughs> okay, so now are you pivoting to your personal fantasy team as you continue to monopolize <laughs> yourself as as the topic no just the cowboys losing oh okay. i actually didn't have anybody okay playing so still about yourself but right okay yeah. yes i was hot taking- take well here's my hot take from thursday uh ezekiel elliott washed washed or just desperately trying to keep up with the 18 pro bowlers that Brady has running out all over the field for himself. (laughs) That's fair too, but the Cowboys offense looked really good as a whole. Except Zeke. Except for Zeke, yeah. When he couldn't beat, uh, I believe, a defensive back one-on-one to score the one opportunity he had at the goal line. Yeah, he gets stuffed almost every single time. Yeah, he did not look great, but going into the season... Um, and prior, I was never a Dak believer, and I'm going to have to go back on that because Dak looked incredible. Well, um, see, see, the nice thing about this is we don't have any recorded history yet, so you could have pretended that you've been hyping Dak up this entire time. Mark it. Um, I was proven to, once again correct. I have been a firm supporter of Dak. <laughs> Throughout his career, I when he fell to the Cowboys in the third round, I thought, what are these other teams doing? I was critical of the Cowboys for not drafting him sooner. I thought it was ridiculous to wait to the third round to draft him and then to not immediately start him over Romo. So, yes, I was proven once again, ferociously, as Ruby imitates, that Dak is back from his injury. And he looked incredible. He was keeping up with Brady. They did not lose that game because of anything that Dak did. Dak was willing them to victory. Well, right. They lost the game because of Zerlin. And um, a, a much maligned possible non-call pass interference, offensive pass interference Right near the end. But I don't know. I thought I didn't think that was much of anything. But 
The defender was backpedaling. He was already struggling to keep up with Chris Godwin. Yeah. And Godwin simply gave him the push that I thought was relatively fair. Um, right. It's like when you're running at that speed, any pretty much any amount of contact is going to, if you're already struggling, is going to knock you off your feet. Yeah. So Chris, Chris Godwin was already having a great game. I'm not sure if that defender was who he was paired up against most of the game, but um, he was literally on his heels trying to keep up with Chris Godwin at a critical moment in the game. And regardless of the push-off, Chris Godwin still had a chance to make that play. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would have been an interception regardless. Right. I would have to disagree that it was... You could, of course, blame Zerline and that call, but I think the bigger issue is Mike McCarthy is once again proving me right that... He's a dunce. I think he is just one of the stereotypical recycled head coaches that, you know, he built up a pretty good resume with Aaron Rodgers. Jerry Jones, of course, hired him on. Well, we saw what happened to Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, maybe he needed Mike McCarthy. That's a good point. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, mark it. Mike McCarthy is not the reason that they lost this game. (laughs) It was completely C.D. Lamb. Well, C.D. Lamb is—he's got the stats, but playing fundamental football, he was just making a mistake every other time he touched the ball or he was targeted. Maybe, I don't know. I, Mike McCarthy. It, it, the thing is, the Cowboys, talent-wise, are obviously incredibly loaded. Always have been. And last year when Dak went down, still, I mean, besides the game where Ben DiNucci came in, they still had good talent. What they had, Andy Dalton was the backup last year. He started to play as a Dak. And he's a fine quarterback. He's not. But we'll get to old Andy later. Right, right. Um, But, but, but But even with all that, it's like he couldn't put anything together in the worst division in football. Yeah. Last year. The team is talented on paper, but the Cowboys have been perennial, perennially plagued by bad coaching, mismanagement by a owner who has appointed himself the GM. And he can acquire the talent, but with Jerry Jones breathing down on the team, I think that, that's the root. That's the common denominator across all these teams. You look at those teams with Romo and how much talent they had. They had Marion Barber and I'm struggling to think of the other people. That's how stacked they were that I can't think of a single other player that was a skill position player that was on those teams. But those were great offensive lines. They had weapons. Miles um, Austin comes to mind. You know, they, they never had an issue with acquiring talent. Dallas is a place that people want to play, and they draft fairly well. But they just keep having these issues. And, again, you know, we don't know what the Cowboys are going to be the rest of the year. They look great, you know, all things considered, against a team that likely yeah. is going to be the Super Bowl favorite. I mean, they certainly did really well against that defense, which, you know, inarguably won Tampa Bay the championship last year. Right. Because the, the Chiefs just couldn't do anything against it. That being said, I mean, last year the Tampa Bay defense took a while to get going. Um, but yeah, their offense is definitely terrifying. Cowboys defense looks pretty meh, as they have been for the past few years. But uh, in a division as weak as the NFC East, certainly you can't rule the Cowboys out. Oh, yeah, I'm not counting. I don't even know if I want to count out the Giants. I mean, you just never know well, in this division. They looked, I think you can count out the Giants. They looked awful, but next week, you know, the, Washington is going to have Taylor Heineke for the next eight weeks, and Taylor Heineke looked great last year in that first round of the playoffs against the Buccaneers of all teams. But To be honest, I think they should have just tried starting Taylor Heineke 
and not gone and got Ryan Fitzpatrick. You could make that argument, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess it's always worth having him having a veteran quarterback on the team for a young quarterback, but, you know, I, I wouldn't have been super surprised if they just started Heineke week one. Yeah. I mean, Heineke, I, I think, has been there a while. They're probably seeing things in practice that we aren't seeing. And Taylor Heineke, you know, comes in unexpectedly to start for Washington. There's barely any tape on him. You know, that's any given Sunday stuff where, you know, a player who isn't that good can come in, especially a quarterback. There's no tape. The defense isn't that prepared for them. And they just do things that the defense doesn't expect them to do. Um, pivoting to Sunday, uh, well, I want to mention first, I, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Brady annoyingly looks even better than last year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Age has once again evaded him. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, next week we find out, oh, wait, Dallas's defense is really good. It's just the Buccaneers' game plan so well, and Brady is so good that they made Micah Parsons, who was supposed to be the star rookie, look like an idiot out in the middle of the field trying to cover people. And he yeah, couldn't. and it, I mean, it's been mentioned by every talking head in the industry, but they brought all their starters back, which is huge. Mm-hmm. They already had an incredibly stacked wide receiver group, incredibly stacked at, you know, tight end. Right. Um, Gronk looked great at the end of last season. He looks like he did in New England more than he did at the beginning of Tampa Bay season. Mm-hmm. Two tutties, as it were. And, um, yeah, Tom Brady was incredibly excellent. He just continues to shock and I don't know how he does it and I actually think that game may have been the first time in my life where I was rooting for Tom Brady actually wow I'm trying to think back and I think it is you know I'd have to go back and look game by game and it's really fun to root for Tom Brady because uh, you know you're going to win yeah he's going to get it done (laughs) So I've never I had that feeling in my life. Made my life team. really easy on Thursday. It was a great feeling. Yeah, they had star receive any of those star receivers. Chris Godwin could have shopped himself. I believe he had to resign to stay at the team. He could have shopped himself, and he could be the number one receiver getting paid wide receiver one money at just about any franchise in the NFL. But he chose to stay. I think even bigger, this coaching staff stayed together. Yeah, and that's that's a rarity because I remember after the Eagles won and then all of our best coaches started getting poached. Mm-hmm. And then it was immediately evident that all our best coaches had just gotten poached right. uh, in the way the team was playing. And so being able to keep a, a coaching group together is, I mean... Yeah, that's pretty unheard of after a Super Bowl. Even after a Super Bowl, just a Super Bowl appearance, that's pretty unheard of. Yep. Yeah, and I think that really shows that Tom Brady has transcended as not just a player, but he is the glue. He has the buy-in from all the players who he seems to be a player coach for, especially that defense. The way they treat him is almost like a dad figure. And... All these coaches decided to stay with the Buccaneers. Again, effectively taking a pay cut to stay with Tom Brady because they know that they've got at least one more year of Tom Brady, maybe two, because there's a optional third year, I believe, on his contract with Tampa Bay. They know that they have a good chance of getting another Super Bowl on their resume, even if it's just as a coordinator, to stay in that system, continue to learn from Tom Brady, and then move on when the time is right, once Tom Brady has said it's over. Not when they say it's over, but when Tom Brady says it's over. Yeah, there's that new commercial with Tom Brady where he's calling people up. I don't even know what it's for, but there's like... It's for the crypto.com? Yes, yes, it's for some cryptocurrency. But like at the beginning of it, Giselle says something to him and he's like, I already told you I got 10 more years. And here's the thing. I don't know how much of a joke that is. I think that might be real. 
He really might. We'll see. Let me ask you this. Safe safe zone. How much is Brady's legacy tarnished if By it comes out? <laughs> How much is his legacy tarnished if it comes out? He's been using it. It's okay. still amazing. It's okay. still incredible. Because we had that conversation with Peyton Manning when it was oh, rumored yeah. that he was taking that. HGH or whatever, which I don't even know should be illegal. I mean, if a guy's having neck issues and then it was supposedly a prescription for his wife or something, I'm not totally clear on the details because I had actually checked out of the NFL for about a year at that time because I was in college. But... Um, I mean, to answer your question, unless he's using some cocktail of performance-enhancing drugs that is just so extreme that he is obviously just held up by the substances, I don't think it's tarnished at all. I mean, it's just so, it's so hard, even if he is doing that, to, to, to win a second Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers has not won a second Super Bowl. Drew Brees has not won a second Super Bowl. Peyton Manning had to fight and claw to win his second Super Bowl, and he wasn't even that good in it. Tom Brady, what he's done, I think, after last year, cements him above Michael Jordan. I really do. Because it is just so much harder to do multiple championships in the NFL than the NBA. Yeah, I saw a quote from Tom Brady from back in 2013 that was... He said, uh, I'm not trying to, to beat Joe Montana. I'm trying to beat Jordan. Chills. Well, the good news is, you know, he's a significantly better NFL player than Jordan ever was. So I think he's got that in the bag. That's a good point. That's true. Um, yeah, that, speaking of that commercial... I had a conversation with Julie uh, when that commercial was on. I immediately was like, how much do you think that he and Giselle got paid to do that commercial? And I just spit out $30 million. To do that commercial? Yes. That commercial, which is going to run, you know, okay. the entire well, the hold on. season. Hold on. If they got paid in anything besides crypto... Then it's totally hypocritical. Well, I'm they sure. just need to get yeah. paid in like these terrible, dumb little crypto coins that, that site is obviously going to have, like Brady Coin. Yeah, they probably made Brady Coin for him. That's probably how they paid him for the commercial. <laughs> well, I was doing a little bit of research because Julie immediately clapped back and said, "No way! They probably got paid like Julie, far away from the microphone. What did you say?" One or two million? One or two million? I mean, that's not going to get you John Heaster of the Lillington Chevrolet dealer. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's one or two million. I mean, that's not a lot of money in today's terms in advertising. I, I think they, to get Tom Brady, arguably, I mean, globally, Tom Brady is no. That is not the case for, I don't believe, any other NFL player. I mean, he... I like F1. I like Formula One a lot. And they even mention Tom Brady every now and then. You don't think Mahomes is globally recognized? Mahomes will probably get there. He'll probably get there in a little while. Globally recognized. We'd have to have the uncomfortable conversation of how certain parts of the world may favor Tom Brady as a brand over Patrick Mahomes. How that may hinder him. Wrongly so, but... I think that to get Tom Brady and Giselle to endorse your product in a 45-second ad, I mean, they, I would set $30 million at the floor. Well, $30 million U.S. dollars or $30 million Brady coin? I'm sure they got some sort of stock in the company because that's something that that's more valuable to a lot of these mega Did you figure people. it out? Did you find out? How much they got let me, paid? Let me do. No, I did, I tried to find out and I couldn't find out. It's very tight mm-hmm. sealed. Um, but I mean, Giselle has. She's she's 
like one of the richest women in the world, I'm pretty sure. She's definitely the richest. She's made model. more money than Tom in her career. Oh, significantly yes. so. But Tom yeah. also, Tom Brady's. I like that I'm on a first name basis with him. Tom. <laughs> Brady has has been known to sort of take smaller contracts. Yeah. To to try to get bigger players on his team. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some shady accounting going on. Whoa. Uh, with craft. Do we have a reckless speculation <laughs> sounder? <laughs> it's not yeah, journalistically <laughs> responsible. I'm not a journalist. I'm just a guy on a microphone. I mean, why is craft catching strays? What What was that tape? What are you doing there? Do you just know. not like craft? Um, I mean, I guess. Keep in mind, a, he wanted to keep Brady. As a general rule, I have something against billionaires, I guess. Okay, well, there goes a lot of endorsement opportunities for us. <laughs> I guess we're not getting Mark Cuban, noted sports fan. No, Mark going to talk a lot of Dallas Mavericks. Mark Cuban is the exception. He's not. His last name is Cuban. Yeah. Is he Cuban? He's not. Okay. He's as white as a He looks like he could potentially be like a quarter Cuban. A lot of tanning. Yeah, with a lot of tanning. I mean, he. I'm assuming he spends a lot of time in Dallas. Mark Cuban was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah, but his I mean, grand you know, his paternal grandfather changed the family name from Chabaniski to Cuban after his family emigrated from Russia through Ellis Island. Wow, Chabaniski. Cuban. So it was Polish, I guess. Why would you pick Cuban as a last name? What a random last name. Hmm. There could be an interesting story there. I wonder if, like, it was... Maybe we'll get him on the show. Yeah, that's possible. We'll need to put in a request. We'll need to find out what Gmail account we need to send this request to. Text to the Mavericks to get Mark Cuban. (laughs) I like you having all of his business it's all uh, run communications the running through the <laughs> Dallas Mavericks. Probably like the 18th smallest Text. business venture of his. Get Luca's number to get Mark's number. All right. I, I do legitimately wonder, though, if his grandfather changed the name to Cuban, if it was like the height of Cubans immigrating to Let's see. the U.S. Said- and so he was like, hey, we stand a better chance if Um, I mean, it's his paternal grandfather. He was born in 58. So his grandfather probably came here in the 30s. Hmm. I guess that wouldn't have... There certainly wouldn't be any love for any brand of Latino in the 30s. I would assume. Anyway. Do you even know Cuba was a country? <laughs> from Poland? <laughs> Maybe does Cuba mean something larger in like the Eng- English language? Is Cuba even called Cuba in Cuba? Yeah, it is. Okay, because cool. a lot of countries we call them by. I mean, like Germany. That's really far off of what. Yeah, Japan. Pretty far off. Yeah. We call uh, Taiwan Taiwan, but in China they call it China. There goes more endorsement deals. We didn't sell out like the NBA. Oops. Okay, so pivoting to Sunday, Seth, I'm already mad at these referees. Okay. I was watching Red Zone. Mm-hmm. And there were flags for things that didn't need... I know it's a hard job. I'm in a job where I sometimes feel like a referee, and I know it's hard to get calls right, but... Some of the, it was just like, I, I was so excited for football. And then, like, I just got smacked in the face right as I turned on red zone as we were reviewing catches that didn't need to be reviewed. We were throwing flags for things that didn't need to be flags, things that should have been called, weren't called. I know the NFL referees generally do statistically a great job, but, or sorry, I've been told, but it's just so frustrating. It was like the brakes were slammed on my enjoyment. 
of the NFL. Did you feel the same way? I don't know if I'd go that far to say the brakes were slammed. There was definitely... Okay, there was a tapping of the brakes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there is a little a little tapping, a little uh, brake check going on. Uh, there were some that I noticed that, that were fairly weak calls. Um, there was one, I'm pretty sure it was during the Browns-Chiefs game, where there was a taunting call... Um, that it just made no sense whatsoever. There was like a dog pile. Um, one of the offensive line players was grabbing one of the defensive players and wouldn't let him up. And then the defensive player said something to him and then the defensive player got a taunting call. And I was like, <laughs> okay, were you watching what was going on? Because like, that was not cool what the lineman was doing. And, I don't know. I don't remember what team it was. I'd have to go back and try to find the clip, but I doubt that it's a clip somebody saved because it wasn't super interesting. But there was just stuff like that. And and apparently they're really tamping down on the taunting calls this year. I don't know. Unless it's like... Unless it's like a threat of violence, I really don't care about taunting. And I don't see how we do in the NFL. Like, I... With taunting, it's a little it's a, silly. With taunting, it's especially hard. I take issue with some of the taunting calls, but I have to be upfront about my ignorance because oftentimes we don't get to hear what's said on the field. There was a right. moment in the Thursday night game that was absolutely hilarious. I had to rewind it to show Julie because <laughs> there were two linemen jawing with each other and they were going back and forth. The referees were like, hey, cut it out, you know, separating them. Pretty routine stuff. And then all of a sudden, one of the linemen said something to the other one. And one referee just gave this <laughs> look like, dang, I can't believe he just said that look to the other referee that was involved. And he was like, I got to throw a flag for that. And he threw the flag. And the lineman didn't fight him on it. So I am dying to know what he said to that mm-hmm. other player. But, um, yeah, the taunting calls can sometimes be really frustrating. Last year— How come it's never those players who are mic'd up? That's a good point. Well, I mean, if they're mic'd up, they're not going to do that. I Maybe. Mean, you're getting a different person, you know. It's like when you go on a date with someone for the first time. You're getting a different person than probably who they really are, you know. When Ray Lewis was mic'd up, he was mic'd up a lot when he was playing. You think we were getting unfiltered Ray Lewis? Probably not. (laughs) He was probably talking about eating babies when he was not mic'd up. Terrifying. (laughs) And allegedly involved in a murder. Anyways, so... That was my frustration immediately when I started watching the NFL. But then I calmed down and I learned to be appreciative that football was finally back. Um, a few teams really stood out to me. I, I want to know if you caught any of the Cardinals highlights because I thought I was watching a completely different team than last year. I was not on the Cardinals hype train last year. I thought Kyler Murray looked pretty good. Whenever Red Zone went to the Cardinals, they were just demolishing the Titans. Mike Vrabel, a man of such character and high esteem, looked like he had just had his lunch money stolen from him whenever they panned to him at the sideline. And they did a lot because he was constantly bending over just no answers as Kyler Murray runs for 50 yards behind the offensive line and then just flicks the ball into the air. Boom, Christian Kirk, 60-yard touchdown. Yeah, I didn't see any of the Cardinals game, um, unfortunately. Well, what stood out to you then? Any teams? From the Cardinals? Obviously, the Eagles stood out to you, but... The Eagles had a great game. Um, They did look really good. Jameis Winston. Hey, might be the real deal. That LASIK. He threw like... For 80 yards and had Yeah, five touchdowns, touchdowns, though. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty incredible. And props to Jameis. I mean, I did not like Jameis um, prior. He still has some things in his past that, you know, are troublesome. But 
Him going to New Orleans where he knew he'd be a backup. Did you see his post-game interview? No, I didn't. Was he eating a W? No. They were, they were talking about, you know, how do you come into this game? Oh, yeah. And, I remember seeing that. Uh, be ready against this team. And he said, well, you know, we were just prepared. My trainer told me. What did he say? He just said to be prepared. <laughs> it was great. It was really a glimpse into how we think these guys, some of these guys are like. So. What better advice like, is sometimes there Sometimes it's just though? really simple. It's really simple stuff. And be prepared. Yeah. What well, more do you need to know? Be prepared. The trainer, what do I need to do? Be prepared. It's good advice from the trainer. No, you'd like Make sure I have enough Gatorade at the game. Be prepared. That's being prepared. That is Having being prepared. Having enough Gatorade. Dwight Eisenhower said that um, to have plans, enough Gatorade at the game? <laughs> well, maybe if he was in our day. But he said something to the effect of plans are worthless, but planning is indispensable. Okay. Did I just kill the show? <laughs> A little. <laughs> <laughs> With such or an old reference. presidents now? <laughs> what is this? Ike. You know? Everybody likes Ike. <laughs> yes, Jameis did look pretty good. I I think LASIK, I should have bought LASIK stock before <laughs> that game happened. Because I feel like people who don't need LASIK are going to be going out and getting LASIK. Bill, who works in accounting, is going to go out and get LASIK because he's a huge New Orleans Saints fan. You know, this is, uh, I wonder if he paid for his LASIK. Who, Jameis? Yeah. You think the team paid for it? I don't think he was on a team when he got LASIK. He was on the Saints, wasn't he? I thought he got released by, or not released, but they didn't re-up his contract in Tampa. And then he got LASIK. I could be wrong. I thought it was his most recent offseason. I may be wrong. It's only $6,000. You can afford LASIK, that. LASIK is six thousand dollars. Yeah, I mean that's. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Green Bay. It wasn't just that Jameis played well, which he did objectively. Yeah, he didn't have a ton of yards. I think his actual stat line was like one hundred and fifty yards. But he did have five touchdowns. But Green Bay just looked awful. Wow. You know I'm a Bears fan. And Aaron Rodgers has been torturing me for years after Favre was already torturing me. And I was immediately triggered by people saying things to the effect of, oh, Rodgers is tanking. Oh, he's trying to show the Packers what they are without him. (laughs) It's like, okay, let me understand this. You have a guy, Aaron Rodgers, who is so hyper-competitive that he could not stomach his replacement being drafted before he was out the door, that he would go out there and have a pass rating intentionally that is worse than if he just put the ball on the ground the entire game. I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. I, that's I, absurd, right? I don't believe that Rodgers would do that intentionally, although it would be objectively hilarious if he did. It would be hilarious. Um, that being said... I mean, reports of Rodgers' demise are way too early. Um, that Saints defense is good. He's absolutely going to bounce back from this. I mean, yeah, I, I don't. I think that Green Bay are always contenders in that division until they're not. Well, especially after what we saw in Week One. I mean, yeah, and everyone else in that division doesn't look great. Um, we could come out with Lions winning. The North this year. I I feel like Jared Goff is going to get injured eventually or something. I mean, Jared Goff did look pretty good, but I don't. I think that was they can't pull out the attempted comeback that they had yeah. against the Niners. I, and I don't Goff even think pretty, the Niners. That, I mean, that was reminiscent of the the Peyton Manning Colts comeback from you know probably over a decade ago, where they scored like tw- three touchdowns and one in. In like five minutes. Yeah, it was very impressive for a team that we expected to Be basically trash. just run the ball, you know, mid-2000s, 
very classic Bite Stone Age football, biting kneecaps, playing tough. Penny Sewell, by the way, I saw was ranked second among PFF. Really? Uh, offensive linemen. <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. In a time where offensive linemen coming out of college are just dreadful overall. Yeah, there's definitely a big adjustment. Maybe maybe more than ever, gap between college-level O-line and NFL-level O-line. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's so many, like, even if you take a guy in the first round, I, I, I would be curious to go back. Maybe this is a segment we need to do at some point. Go back through, like, the past five or so first rounds and see who's still in the NFL, who's still playing well, and the percentage of different positions. Because I would guess the percentage of O-line players who are either out of the NFL or could possibly be considered busts that are taken in the first round would be a higher percentage than maybe any other position. Yeah, I think um, it's just there's so much development that goes into these offensive linemen. That's why you see... Guys like Andrew Whitworth just play forever in Orlando Pace because they're all-time great guys, and these teams just can't replace them. Jason Peters. Jason Peters is another one. Got picked just was got he signed. injured, by the way, after that? Yes, okay. after Makes Sunday sense. night. He, he didn't even make it the first full game. Yeah, figure that would happen. Yeah. But, I mean, they keep going to him because it's like, well, what else are we going to do? Yeah. I mean, when I was growing up and playing football, nobody wanted to play offensive line. Everyone wanted to play running back. Everyone wanted to play quarterback. Everyone wanted to play receiver. If I had the genes to produce a <laughs> offensive lineman-sized kid, I would be like, Jimmy, I know you want to touch the ball and get touchdowns, but you are putting your hand in the dirt and you are getting that 10-year Joe Thomas contract. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Mailata for the Eagles never, ever played football in his life before he was drafted by the Eagles, just signed a four-year, $80 million contract. Yeah. If you find a good offensive lineman, like, you have to hold on to them for dear life. Taylor Lewan got an, a really great, you know, all-time great Tennessee Titan, got embarrassed by Chandler oh, yeah. Jones. I didn't even realize Taylor Lewan was still playing. I'm pretty sure he was playing when I was in middle school. He is so old. And he, they're still trotting him out there. And uh, yeah. you just can't replace these guys. I mean, yeah, you're right. I mean, injuries are, too, such a huge issue for offensive linemen because they're so big. Right. And, I mean, if they have something minor with that much weight, it's difficult for them to rehab. Uh, I think of, like, Jake Long immediately. I remember he was hyped so much when I was in it. It was, like, when I first started following the NFL. He was hyped so much, consensus number one. And he just could never really get it going because he had so many injuries. Um, yeah, I, I think the Bears, you know, this is a... I'm, my bias is showing and pivoting to the Bears, but... The Bears may very well have wrecked any chance they had this season with their mismanagement of their O-line. And that's what a lot of the casual fans just don't understand, is that the game is usually won and lost at the line of scrimmage unless you can do something crazy with, like, a Kyler Murray where he's just having to run the entire game or you try to alternative, well, alternatively get the ball out in sub-two seconds. Let's think about this for a second. Is is struggles just throughout the league with O line? Is that is that a causation or is just a correlation with the amount like the increase in the running, scrambling, slippery QB type? There might be something to that. Well, I mean, wouldn't they look better if their quarterbacks are more mobile? Well, I'm saying I'm saying down. that's why people need more mobile quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yes. I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. When I was younger, you know, you look at who was dominating as quarterback in the, in the 2000s, and you could argue that, you know, there's something to do with society and how we selected quarterbacks back then. But, I mean, Big Ben was considered, like, 
it's kind of funny looking back now. He was considered to be a scrambler, yeah. a yeah. fast, well, relatively fast scrambler that could get outside the pocket. He was tough to bring down. Yeah, what does he run, like a oh seven-second 40? Yeah. I doubt he's been clocked <laughs> in over 10 years. I mean, it, he can't. He has to be over five seconds on his 40 time. I mean, he's he's very slow. And then you've got the mobile quarterbacks now. It's, it's almost like it's a requirement. It's yeah. a prerequisite. Daniel Jones may be one of the last high picks we see that. Wait, I have to take that back. Because he had that amazing run where he was clocked as like the fastest player in the NFL. That is true. But he did stumble <laughs> over his own feet. Yeah. So even Daniel Jones, you look yeah. at him and he's like, he's he was super fa- athletic. I mean, he was fast. He was absolutely, I wouldn't consider him a scrambler, but he's got speed if he needs to. Yeah. He was running like, I forget what it was. It was like, it was over 20 miles yeah, an he hour. Was, he, it, was, it was crazy. His face, the great thing about that too, is when it showed his face, he looked absolutely terrified. Yeah. Like he was running from, I mean, he was literally running from something. Well, he could see, he, he could saw, see the video board. He saw Fletcher himself. Cox coming for him. He said, yeah. I've got to get away. Was that against the Eagles? I'm I'm pretty positive that was against the oh, Eagles. I didn't think it was. Hold on. Yeah, it was against the Eagles. Okay. I love how easily you were able to find that. <laughs> I just typed in J- Daniel Jones run. First thing that popped up. <laughs> was it on like the wiki, Wikipedia, top 10, like fastest human speeds ever? <laughs> Was Usain Bolt number one, Daniel Jones number two. Um, are the Niners going to keep doing this thing with Trey Lance where they bring him into the game? Which I oh, thought it was on. crazy how the Bears, I did not expect that. The Bears did the same thing with yeah, Justin Yeah, I was about Fields. to say, the Bears did the exact same thing. Um, I don't really get it. I, I don't know. I mean, it worked. Yeah, it worked. They got them a touchdown. I mean, it's not like they were struggling to score points in that game. Yeah. But how is that going to go over in the locker room? I don't know if I would worry about that because everybody knows. You don't draft somebody, a quarterback, in the what they draft him at? He was number three. Yeah, you don't draft a quarterback at three and then not expect them to eventually get well, playing time. Right, but it was kind of seen as with Andy Dalton and Jimmy Garoppolo that they, ha- they were going to have their opportunities to prove themselves and, you know, they're doing the legwork, getting them down to the red zone. And then Justin Fields comes in to score the touchdown. Um, sure. I don't care really what level you're playing at. That's going to, that could potentially rub Garoppolo, especially the r- wrong way, because he had a pretty good stat line for that game. I believe in the, I forget when I tuned in, but at some point he was like nine for 11 uh, in that game. And he was doing really well. And then, you know, you get Trey Lance out there and then he gets the touchdown. And, you know, what what is that going to do for for the narratives? Um, almost said in the papers, but then I remember no one reads newspapers anymore. You know. Perhaps that's that's the point. Maybe he maybe they just want to keep people guessing, right? Well, I mean that that's exactly what it is. That this is a fairly effective way to. I mean that way because because Jimmy Garoppolo and Andy Dalton are a completely different type of quarterback than you could Justin not Fields get Trey two <laughs> two more diametrically opposed pairs of. Quarterbacks. And this is different than what I think Miami was doing with two and yeah. Fitzpatrick last season because they didn't really change the offense depending on who was going in, right? They were kind of playing the same way for the most part. But if you're running a different style, depending on what quarterback it is with those two teams, then I think that, you know, there might be something to that in terms of of just giving whoever you're going up against extra to prepare, right? I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking that maybe I'm giving them too much credit for being smart. I, I certainly shouldn't be giving Matt Nagy too much credit for being smart. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I think Matt Nagy is looking to, he knows Justin Fields gives them a better chance to score. Well, he probably also knows that the success of Justin Fields is directly correlated to to the likelihood of him keeping his job. To a degree, because you could argue that if he just trots out Andy Dalton under the disguise of, well, I was in Kansas City when we had Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes look pretty good and we didn't start. You know, he, he could effectively just buy himself a whole year mm-hmm. by just starting Andy Dalton saying, chalking it up to, well, Justin Fields just wasn't ready yet. But I think it's pretty apparent that Justin Fields and Trey Lance are showing things in practice that Andy Dalton and Jimmy Garoppolo just can't do where, you know, Trey Lance his overall stat line doesn't look that great because he's struggling with his completion percentage. He's not a polished passer at all. He's going to be a project more so than Justin Fields is. Um, But Justin Fields and Trey Lance have the ability to just, in an instant, flip the script and get you these crazy touchdowns, these 80-yard touchdowns, like we saw with Trey Lance where he just bombed it and got that long touchdown, that was really his only highlight of the preseason. Justin Fields, the same thing, where he's a very elusive runner for a quarterback, and Matt Nagy is just trying to keep his job, um, trying to win any way he can. He's showing a bit of desperation, I think, because I think he did want to keep Justin Fields on the sideline for as long as he can, but he just has to admit to the locker room that we need to give Justin some red zone opportunities. Do you think he just doesn't want to hurt Andy Dalton's feelings? Do you think he just honestly, feels bad? Honestly, I think that's part of it. I really do. I really do. Because the this is getting very Bears inside. But the ownership of the Bears is very family-oriented. They have people working in that front office who have been there through some long stretches of bad teams. Who owns them again? It's Vin Diesel, right? Maybe Bezos in a few years. We'll see. But the McCaffrey- apparently, I saw today that he is interested in buying the Broncos. Now, a little bit ago, he's interested in buying Washington. I think what he's really interested in is buying any team that anyone will sell to him. Yeah, I I think Washington would be a good fit for him because he does have the Washington Post. He has the new headquarters. Well, he's certainly already kind of home based out of there. But yeah, I mean Snyder. Snyder has just like a death grip on that franchise, and he. Will not leave it unless he is, like, absolutely forced out or he's dead. Yeah, he would have to face financial constraints, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. Where he's I mean, forced to sell the team or he's going to have to have some tremendous scandal, even worse than all the ones. I, I don't think had. that I don't think that any scandal would make him sell that team unless all the other owners forced him to. Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, his scandals have been so bad and it's been scandal after scandal. They've never had sustained success while he's been there. They've had... You know, some flashes of decency last year, potentially this year with that defense. They have a couple, I mean, they have a couple good players, young players on offense, but they've never really been good since he's been there. They've never had a, they've certainly never had a good work environment since he's been there or a good, you know, (laughs) culture as it were. They've had good retreats though. (laughs) By whose, (laughs) whose standard? Very relative yeah. standard, but <laughs> but that's the thing is is like nothing will make him go. I don't think unless it would it would take something Donald Sterling level yeah to get and, him out. And there was a room like here was a thing I remember. I don't remember if it was this summer or the past summer, but a lot of the minority owners started selling shares, and people were like, mm-hmm. "Oh, this is in preparation." Yep. to sell the whole team, and then Daniel Snyder has bought. <laughs> took all their shares back. And I was like, yeah, I think oh, so bought a lot of shares. It wasn't too. in preparation to sell the team. It was just to consolidate, reconsolidate power, power yeah. into Daniel Snyder. <laughs> it was the exact opposite of what everyone thought it was going to be. Yeah. And he's getting his wife more involved now that he, he's had all the bad PR with, you know, female colleagues and, and things like that. We'll, we'll see if they can, they can turn it, you know, winning can cover a multitude of sins. And if this team keeps trending in the right direction, maybe the narrative changes, but I don't think anyone's going to ever forget Daniel Snyder and some of his past sins. But I know that the audience is just hinging. So just, Joseph, 
please tell me what you're going to tell me about the McCaskies owning the Bears and what they're like. I know you're very, very eager to hear more about that. So I'll finish my thought. The McCaskies are very family-oriented front office. They seem to have a phobia of firing people based on job performance. They love old Ted Phillips. He's done financially great things for the franchise. And honestly, I think he has like a lifetime handshake deal to stay the president of that team forever uh, as long as he wants to, even though he doesn't know seemingly anything about football. And Ryan Pace has no boss, effectively, then. Um, So, yeah, I think they brought in Andy. They didn't expect—they wanted Justin Fields. They thought there was a very low chance that something crazy could happen where they could draft him. They told Andy, hey, you're QB1, although they did the same thing with Mike Clennon. Mike (laughs) Clennon was a lot worse, though. Um, Sure. And Andy is a really nice guy. And he's been great to Justin Fields. He's really taken him under his wing. He and his wife took Justin Fields out to dinner like the first week he was in Chicago. Andy's a great guy. I That's like a pretty Andy a low lot. bar for being a great guy. Well, I'm just saying that's one evidence. I, I think his overall body of work says he's a great guy. He yeah, won that game. Certain, yes. He won that game to help out the Bills that one time, <laughs> that meaningless game for <laughs> the Bengals. Good guy, yeah. Andy. To the Bills fans, gave his charity like millions of dollars. Yeah, I, yeah, I, uh, I mean, where would you rank Andy in terms of like, where is he right now on the tier of starting quarterbacks? Even just quarterbacks in general, quarterbacks. Well, I think in terms of Bears quarterbacks, and this is why I didn't eviscerate them immediately for signing Andy Dalton. I think in terms of Bears quarterbacks, I think Andy, you know, it was a decent signing. It's, you know, you didn't look like you were going to have much options where you're drafting. I think in terms of Bears quarterbacks, I think he's, you know, the play I saw from Sunday night, as boring as that looked to most people, and how closely I've watched Bears football the past, you know, 15 years, he looked pretty good relative to some of the Bears starters we've had to put up with in the past. He was just as good as, you know, some of Trubisky's games. Trubisky had a couple of really good games, but he, if Trubisky and Nick Foles are their floor, I mean, I think Andy pretty well exceeded that against a very good Rams defense. All right, so blind, I'm just going to give you three options based on description. Okay, three doors. Who who your quarterback can be. Okay. Great, mobile, proven, young rookie, flashes of brilliance, had a very good college career. That's option one. Okay. Option two, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, most touchdowns in one game record. Held that for a long time. That's option That's option two. <laughs> I wonder who it could be. Option three, some guy with red hair. Nicknamed the Red Rocket. Which it's is, rifle. It's red rifle. Not, <laughs> not red rocket. That's a Are you important, sure? Yes. Red rocket is a nickname for something else. I thought it was intentionally. No, it's a red rifle. Just like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the Amish rifle. What? You didn't know that? I've never heard that before. I haven't. I to be fair, I have, No, to be fair, I haven't heard that nickname ascribed to him in a while. Hold on. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick Amish? Or are they just saying he looks it's Amish? It's just because he looks Amish. You know, okay. You could also well. It was during his time, I think, with the Bills. He had his best season. He had a great season with the Jets one year, where they went. Maybe it was the Jets, like eleven and five, and still missed the playoffs. Yeah, when he was really lighting it up, that was like his nickname that year. I haven't heard it much since. Um, but that that was his nickname. <clears throat> um. Well, what are you picking? <laughs> Obviously, I would Great pick Great young Justin rookie, Fields. Super Bowl MVP, Red Rocket. What are you picking out of those three? I didn't I didn't hate this decision to start Andy Dalton because I was really scared of that Rams defense. Um, <laughs> so you sacrificed Andy Dalton. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Someone, I forget who it was. It was either Hoger Johns from the Athletic Bears podcast. But... 
you know, you look at it like an experiment. You have Andy Dalton, perfectly average, tremendously average quarterback. Not good, not bad, just average, bland. You throw him in as your control to see what this offense is for the Bears that has a ton of question marks. And Matt Nagy, it's the jury is still out despite his winning record, whether or not he's who they need to keep for next year for Justin Fields' development. You throw out Andy, you're going to see all the warts of this offense and see what the floor is for this offense. That way, later on, you throw in Justin Fields and you see the direct comparison. How much does Justin Fields exceed the control for this experiment? What results does he get you? So I don't hate the decision to go with Danny Dalton the first couple of games. I just want them to switch over to Justin Fields sooner rather than later because I do think he needs the experience. I think it's already a lost year uh, just based on the roster composition. Teams can surprise us in the NFL, but I think it's best to get to him sooner rather than later. Yeah, that's fair. I, You know, I don't know if it's ever fair to say it's a lost year. Just right off the bat, going into the season. I think you need like three or four games to really figure that out. Right. Because I was coming into the season thinking, this is a lost year for the Eagles. I'd be happy yeah. if they went 5-12. and 12. And not that Atlanta is a good team, but I mean, that was a thrashing. Mm-hmm. And the offense looked incredibly well put together. The secondary held up much better than it has pretty much since I've been following them, mm-hmm. which they did do some some good free agency work there. But Nick Sirianni, well, he expected to be awful. Yeah, he he called to be good. good plays. He had good clock management. He did a good job. Well, they had simple offenses and simple <laughs> systems. Well, so. it's simple for for the right. people playing it to figure it out, but difficult for the other people. I'm not to figure sure out. any system is simple for the Atlanta defense. To be fair. <laughs> um, do you want to do Seth's secrets? I don't know what that is. I pictured you like whispering, you know, understudy takes that you're working on. Like, could this be like a seeing Kyler Murray become like the new Tom Brady? You know, that's just an example. I think that's a terrible take, but you know. Something set secrets, or we could just complain about the Applebee's commercial that is driving me insane <laughs> in every NFL game. This, have you seen it? I I think I'm already at the point where like my brain automatically tunes it out. Like you you mentioned it yesterday, and I was like, "What Applebee's commercial are you talking about?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, there's that stupid Applebee's commercial." Where it's just a montage of TikTok videos that I'm not even sure they paid for. Right, it's just a montage of TikTok videos. They probably didn't pay for any of those. And let's just get this out of the way. Applebee's is terrible. Oh, it, I mean, of it, course it, it is, yeah. Regardless of the commercial, how bad the commercial is, Applebee's as a restaurant is bad. I, I think once I became an adult... Places like that just became... That was the first thing you... That's the first decision <laughs> the first you made. Thing I realized, I'm not going to eat at Applebee's anymore. Well, the thing is, like, our our like our parents, like, love those type of restaurants. But then when I got to, to this age, I'm like, why would I go to this restaurant when I can cook everything they have in their menu better at home? Yes. For one-fourth of the cost. Hey, Seth, do you remember old pal... Brandy. He worked at Applebee's and he told us he worked there like all through high school. And he was like, all the food is microwaved. Yeah. Okay. So on that subject, on that subject, me and and Molly, when we were in college, you know, when we were poor college kids, um, we went to college in a very small town and Chili's was like the nicest restaurant that we could afford. Okay. So there were some nicer restaurants, but like in a college student budget, Chili's was the only one that was like date night appropriate that we could afford. Mm-hmm. And we would always go there. And usually what we did is we would get the skillet queso. That still rocks. I'm not going to slam the skillet queso from Chili's. It's hard to mess that up. And then a molten chocolate lava cake. That was that was what we would do. But I think between those two things is like your calorie intake for a week. Well, exactly. Well, that's, you know, that's we didn't need anything. Besides like that may those. be the total calorie intake 
that like a mouse would need for its entire lifetime. <laughs> so anyway, I, I remember very vividly one time we were at Chili's for date night and uh, we ordered and the server goes, great, I'll go get that heated up in the microwave for you. <laughs> You're joking. I'm being 100% dead serious. And I was like, in my head, I was just like, listen, I know you do it. Just keep the illusion alive. Yeah. <laughs> I want to pretend that you don't. I want to pretend that you guys have real line cooks back there, you know, grilling things up. and Off along one, you know, yeah. out there on the, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Applebee's is like everything I hate about corporate America. And I feel like I take corporate America's side on too many things, but they're everything I hate about corporate America because you, that commercial has ran multiple times in every NFL game I've watched this season and college. Yeah. If they put that much money into just improving their product or rebranding, they would have way more success. Maybe they did pay the TikTok people. Maybe they paid them in Brady coin. I'll say one more thing about Applebee's, unless I think of another. Um, My parents do go to Applebee's occasionally. It is only because they get a coupon in the mail. Mm. See, that's when those restaurants are great. And I would argue if it's free, it's not great. Um, And every time they say, hey, Joseph, we've got a coupon for this place. Let's go eat here. Is that okay? Sure. You're probably going to pay anyways. That's totally fine for me. I'm not going to complain about the restaurant if you're paying. I'll try to enjoy myself. I'll do the best I can. Um, But every time they do that, they complain about the food. And guess what? They get another two-for-one deal. They go back. (laughs) I don't understand it. But that's how these these restaurants get their hooks in you. And whenever I go to these places, it's so sad. It's so sad. And everyone at the table just gives these looks when, and then they have like the stupid iPad thing that you don't even get to give your order to a human. Well, the iPad is also like, it's such a half measure. I don't, I don't know. It's so weird. And then you, you have to have, I mean, honestly, with the demographics of these restaurants, the server has to come and help the person anyways. (laughs) I mean, I hate to say it. Yeah. That was a lie. I don't hate to say it. But that's the way it is. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you at the age now where when you go out with your parents, it's no longer understood that your parents are paying for the meal? Because I think that I'm at that age. I had that experience with my dad for the first time. I we went to this local Cuban restaurant. He was in Durham. And, I, and so. And you left your wallet in the car. <laughs> I did like, leave my wallet in the car. <laughs> But the restaurant was a little, you know, we looked it up because he wanted Cuban food. And so we looked it up and we found this place and it was a little pricier than I was expecting. And I offered to pay because I'm the one who took us there. And he didn't stop me. (laughs) And it was like, it was like one of those moments, I think, in your life where you're like, okay, I'm an adult now. He called your bluff. Yeah, absolutely he did. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Was it Cuban Revolution? No, he would never go there. It was uh, Carmen's in Morrisville. Oh, I've heard of that. I've been That's wanting good. to go there. But Cuban Revolution, I went to on the tobacco trail or tobacco campus um, probably like five years ago. And it was not good. Just fair warning. Interesting. It was also made me kind of uncomfortable that I couldn't tell from the decorations, whether they were supporters it's very, of Fidel it's, uh, or... It's very pro-Che, very pro-Castro there. Yeah. Which makes me think it's not actually run by Cubans. Yeah. Um, but this place, that Carmen's felt very authentic. That's um, good. I'll have to try that out. We appreciate you listening, and we'll hopefully see you next week.